Welcome to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interviewed Coach Jordan Serenkam. He's the head coach of the Greensboro Swarm. Coach, how's it going? Good, good. Coach, you want to give yourself a, a brief introduction to our listeners? Yeah, my name is uh, Jordan Serenkamp, uh, and I'm the head coach of the Greensboro Swarm and uh, on staff here with the Charlotte Hornets as well, going in my second year uh, with the Greensboro Swarm as their head coach and year five uh, here with the Charlotte Hornets. Talk about growing up in the Hoosier State. Oh, man, I don't even know where to begin. If you didn't have a basketball in your hand before you were walking, there was probably something wrong with you. So, um, you know, just grew up loving the game of basketball, played baseball and some other sports as well. But ultimately, you know, growing up, like you said, in the Hoosier State, it's basketball or bust. So, um, no, just really grew up around the game, uh, watching the game. Reggie Miller, obviously, was a big piece to that with the Pacers and, you know, those teams in the in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, so grew up a Pacers fan, um, you know, so just around the game of basketball and just kind of knew at a very young age that it was something passionate. I was, you know, loved um, and just, you know, always found myself in a gym, whether it was on the weekends or during the week before school, after school, whatever it was, you know, basketball just kind of always was my main focus and something that, that I loved. So um, to be able to say I'm still doing it now is is a blessing and, and an opportunity that I try to not take for granted and something I'm thankful for every day. No doubt. What made Wabash the right combination of academics and athletics for you? Yeah, you know, uh, my cousin went there and I always looked up to him, my older cousin. So that was kind of the first time I'd ever heard of Wabash. Uh, but, you know, the biggest thing for me uh, was was what you mentioned, was balancing ac- academics and athletics. You know, um, you know, I'm pretty self-aware. I didn't see myself playing professionally at a high level and since once once my college career ended. Uh, and going into college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do for a, a career. You know, coaching wasn't necessarily on the radar super early on, even though I did love the game. Uh, so, you know, I just wanted to make sure that I put myself in uh, the best position possible for once my my athletic career ended. Um, and so Wabash was the perfect fit for that. Obviously, a, a very um, highly regarded academic school that challenged me just as much off the court and in the classroom as it did. Uh, on the court you know we were pretty successful in my time there top 25 most of my years Um, so playing with a highly competitive team uh, and great teammates and then being challenged off the court as well in the classroom was something I was really really looking for when I went on my visit there uh, I visited a few other schools as well but I just kind of knew that it it felt like home Um, the brotherhood that was there the camaraderie between the coaches the players but then also the professors and the administrators uh, at the school, just everybody seemed like one big family and they were super supportive. Uh, so it was a super, super good decision on my end uh, and really a no-brainer. And, and to this day, uh, if I could do it all again, I, I would choose Wabash over and over. You appeared in 74 games during your college career as part of the Little Giants. You guys won over 62% of the games and 64% of the games you won in conference play. What was the scouting report for Jordan – Cern camp, the college hooper. Uh, I'm not sure that in my four years of playing, I ever stepped inside the three point line, to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure that if I did, um, I was doing the wrong thing or I was wrong in some capacity. So uh, no, I just, I shot the ball. Uh, That was my thing. I spent hours on the gun and, you know, being from Indiana, like the shooting thing was always big for me. That's kind of what I was in high school as well. So uh, shooter, ball mover, great teammate. Uh, I felt like I was always in the right place defensively. If we go back and watch the film, that's probably not always the truth. Uh, but that's that's about where it ended with me, you know, just shooting the ball, moving the ball, and trying to be a good teammate. They usually say the film don't lie, but uh, in your case, maybe we can, <laughs> we can we can make it fudge a little bit. <laughs> 2010, 2011, you guys beat then-ranked Randolph-Macon uh, by 15 in a tournament. I know you didn't play that much in the game, but what was the bench like during that game? And what was the locker room celebration like? Post-game? Oh, it was a, yeah, man, it was electric. It's funny. It seems like so long ago that it happened, but you still remember moments like that in your college career, you know? Uh, and I just, just being a part of that team in general was, was awesome. And to be on the bench, to be in the locker room, 
you know, to just to be a part of that atmosphere was was awesome. You know, Wabash always has the utmost support from its students, uh, faculty, fans. Um, so, you know, the environment was always awesome. And again, to play on a team that was, you know, as successful as we were that year with with great teammates and really good people and talented players. You know, th that was part of the the experience that I really enjoyed was going in and getting better every day and kind of the day-to-day -day grind with those guys and, and meeting challenges and, and doing all of that, you know. So obviously the, the celebration was great, uh, but, you know, we were a very focused team that year with one goal in mind. So, you know, we took it as a win and enjoyed it, I'm sure, but I'm sure we got back to work the next day in the film room and on the court. I know you're at your apartment now, but I'm curious. In your office, you guys won the uh, conference championship, punched your way to the NCAA tournament. Do you still have a piece of that net, and is that part of your, uh, your Zoom setup when you have your free agent meetings? <laughs> uh, I would, I, you know, I, I'm sure I have it somewhere, to be honest with you, and I probably shouldn't admit that I don't know where it's at. But, you know, uh, those, again, were really good experiences and really awesome, uh, you know, opportunities when I, when I played, and it's something that I'll always cherish and remember. And, again, it's, it's you know, the wins and losses are things that, that – you know, you do remember, but it's the moments that you spend with the people you care about, your teammates, your coaches, the community. Like those are the things that I actually remember more than than anything tangible and anything uh, from like a win and loss standpoint or a box score standpoint. Little Giants, which I should say is one of my favorite team names in college <laughs> athletics. You guys had two tournament appearances. Um, what went through your mind playing your – final college basketball game and when did you decide that you wanted to give this coaching thing a, a shot as far as a career uh you know they actually they kind of coincided with each other so I still remember my last game being on the court watching the, the clock tick down in the conference tournament and kind of just knowing that you know that was going to be it uh it was super emotional because I you know was a senior at that point obviously and you know, going into the spring, graduation was looming um, and the real world was looming. So, uh, you know, again, all the moments I talked about just recently about, you know, the experiences you have with your teammates and the camaraderie with the coaches and the, the community and, and being able to play the game you love, you know, when it suddenly comes to an end, you really don't know what to do with yourself. Uh, you know, going back to where I have pictures when I'm a little kid rolling around on the floor with a basketball, basketball has been everything that I've always done. And you know, when my college career came to an end, you know, I didn't know what to do with myself for the first couple of months. I still was in the habit of waking up and trying to go to the gym. Um, and, you know, I had to tell myself that I didn't have to do that anymore. After, after class, I would just come back to my room and just kind of hang out. So, you know, I missed it a lot. Um, it was obviously a huge part of who I was and still is who I am today. Um, so, you know, probably the first month or two, just staying away from the game altogether. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't shoot. You know, I didn't really do anything. Um, and as I continued that trend going into kind of the last semester of my you know college career as well as a student, you know, I started to miss the game. I was like, man, just there's a part of me that's missing. I just don't feel complete anymore. I don't feel, you know, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, when you when you have something that you wake up and strive for for. 21 years of your life and then all of a sudden it just kind of comes to a halt you you definitely feel like a piece of you is missing so i start, slowly started integrating myself back into uh the gym i would go play open gym in the spring uh with recruits and open gym in the spring with uh you know my teammates when they were just getting runs in i would you know just go play to be an extra body uh, and then that transitioned from you know just playing open gyms and stuff to me bringing guys back between classes and like running workouts for them. And at this point, I still didn't necessarily know I wanted to coach. And it's so funny because when they talk about, you know, the cliche sayings of like, you know what you're going to, like your passion is right in front of your face. Like your purpose is right in front of your face. And a lot of times you don't notice it that it, like it was screaming at me. I was running workouts with my teammates. I was joining the coaching meetings in the spring. I was helping on recruiting visits. I was playing pickup. And all that long, I'm just like, man, I don't know what I want to do with my life after I graduate. So, uh, you know, I finally got to the point where I'm like, hey, like, I could do this for a living. Like, I could wake up every day and be driven and purposed in my life. And that's what I wanted more than anything. So, you know, the college, you know, coaching thing was the first thing I thought of. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I started to pursue. At that point, I had 
you know, in the summers uh, throughout college, I used to work the Butler basketball camp uh, with, you know, when Brad Stevens was at Butler, Matthew Graves, um, you know, Terry Johnson, some of those coaches as well. Uh, and just established really, really good relationships with him throughout the summer because Butler wasn't too far from where I grew up. So, uh, you know, I was reaching out to coaches. I was like, hey, like this coaching thing is really intriguing to me. Like what, what do I need to do? And everybody just kept saying, you need to go be a grad assistant somewhere. You should be a grad assistant somewhere. You know, so um, just kept hearing that over and over. So that was kind of my next step is, all right, how do I do that? Uh, and obviously I spent a ton of time at Butler uh, during the summer. So, and it was close to home. I was like, man, how cool would it be to go to grad school at Butler down the road and, and be able to work for an awesome coaching staff, you know, with coach Stevens at that point, they had, you know, been to the back-to-back -back national championship games. So the, the, everything was buzzing. So, uh, you know, was trying to get on there with them. Obviously it, it didn't work out, which is okay. Uh, coach Stevens took an opportunity with the Celtics at that point as well. But uh, you know, one of his assistants, Matthew Graves ended up at the university of South Alabama and was kind of in his first opportunity as a head coach and, he called me and, and offered me a position there with him. And, you know, that from that moment forward, you know, my love for the game transitioned from being a player to being a coach and it kind of kickstarted everything. But again, I owe everything to, to coach Graves and coach Stevens and the relationships that I built with them through the summers, uh, you know, just making some money on the side and being in the gym with them. I never knew it would pay dividends in my career moving forward. So just kind of cool how it happened. And I'm still to this day, I couldn't be more grateful or thankful to them for the opportunities and, to, for them allowing me to be a part of their programs and, and learn from them and help me take my next steps. So you didn't have, you weren't sending out, you know, hundreds of letters and emails to try to be a GA. You kind of, you had that relationship with coach Graves and when he got South Alabama, it was kind of a, I won't say a done deal, but you had your in. Yeah. I mean, I, I had my in, I wouldn't say it was a done deal initially. Um, you know, I knew that he had taken the job and opportunity um, and was super happy for him. And it was more of me reaching out to him and congratulating him on the opportunity. Uh, and then conversations kind of started from there. But um, yeah, you know, I, I definitely sent out letters. I'm not going to say I didn't. That was kind of the thing I started doing my, you know, junior to senior year. But it was more to like, get, just get to know coaches and more to like, see if I could work their basketball camps or things like that. You know, it wasn't necessarily for a job. Um, and I think that's something that's, that's really important that that, you know, a lot of guys fail to realize now is like the genuine relationships you make in this business far outweigh the number of letters and text messages you send out in a day. So obviously um, my relationship with the coaching staff and, and, you know, they thought highly enough of me to, to give me an opportunity like that was obviously extremely beneficial and important in my career and my development. But um, I, I don't want to say I put all my eggs in one basket, but, you know, I definitely just really enjoyed what Butler was about at the time. You know, the way they played, um, who they were off the floor, the character stuff, the hard work, the discipline, and just genuinely nice guys. And that's, you know, trickled down from their coaching staff. So to be able to continue to work alongside those guys and, and coach Graves, you know, after I graduated was awesome. What kind of role did you have as a graduate assistant? Um, and, and who were some of the coaches on staff that really took you under their wing? Yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing about it, what – my experience was at South is that I had an unreal relationship with all of the coaches and they all did their part in kind of helping me to, you know, become who I am today. Um, you know, my, my initial roles were uh, very video coordinator esque, uh, doing a lot of the film breakdown stuff for the staff, uh, learning sports code again, because at that point I was new, didn't really know what sports code was or what the film editing systems were at that point. So learning all of that stuff and then just being around and available. Uh, always helping out at practice, driving guys certain places, um, you know, jumping, like I said, on the floor at practice, on the floor during workouts, uh, coming back late at night. You know, guys would want to come back in the evenings and shoot. That was always my calling card, uh, was getting blown up by guys. So I'd go back to the gym at night and spend hours in the gym with them, which was awesome. You develop relationships with them uh, aside from just being at practice every day. Uh, and then just really anything I could do to help. That was the biggest thing for me is I just wanted to be a, the ultimate team guy, the ultimate team player. If you need me to wipe sweat off the ground or go fill up the water cool, like whatever you needed, I was, I was willing to do. Um, and then from a staff standpoint, you know, I can't say enough about the staff that coach Graves put together and it started with him. Uh, but Russ Willemson, uh, was one of the assistants that really took me under his wing very early on. 
Darnell Archie, uh, Brock Morris, you know, a lot of these guys who are still coaching high level college basketball today were guys that, you know, saw something in me and were willing to, you know, spread their wealth of knowledge to me at a very young age, as soon as, you know, a raw kid coming out of college and still learning what the game was really about. Um, and I owe it to all of them, you know, uh, and they all helped me in one way or the other, whether it was understanding the work ethic you need to be successful to the X's and O's to the culture piece, to how to handle certain situations. I mean, all of that is just something I'm internally grateful for. And again, the college experience was, was phenomenal, but again, every person that I've encompass encompassed or came across in my life to this point of, has left a, an impact on me in one way or another that allows me to be the person I am today. And again, can't thank them enough for the opportunities and their, their belief in me and their willingness to help me along the way. Awesome. You know, that first year you guys went 11 and 20, but 17 of those losses were by 10 points or less, including a three overtime thriller at Rice and you guys took Gonzaga to the wire. Talk about how tough it was not to be able to close out those games and how you guys were able to keep morale uh, relatively high in the locker room. Yeah, you know, I think especially being in year one, you know, the biggest thing that you're trying to do in year one is is set a foundation of who you want to be as a team. You know, everybody uses the word culture all the time, but it really is a thing, right? It's establishing an identity on the floor, establishing an identity off the floor, um, finding players that fit that identity, establishing a philosophy on offense and defense that is going to allow you to sustain winning. Uh, you know, all of those things go into being a first-year head coach in, in the first year of a program. So for us to have those highly competitive games, the Gonzaga game, you know, all of those things um, I think is extremely important because it builds resiliency. You know, it teaches guys, uh, you know, how to handle failure. And to look at failure is not just that, but a learning opportunity and a learning experience in a way that you can grow uh, and become better. You know, so those opportunities were things that we tried to take advantage of that first year. And obviously having so many close games, it's it's heartbreaking. We all want to win. Uh, we want to win every game. But, you know, the growth and development of our players as people, as, as basketball players, you know, all of that takes just as much precedence as anything else. And I think that's something we tried to establish there very early on. You know, the second season, the team still kind of struggled in the win column, losing nine games by 10 points or less still. You came from a winning program in college. For you individually, how tough was it that those first two seasons didn't go as well as everyone had hoped? Yeah, you know, I think the big thing about that is is we didn't really look at it that way. Obviously, wins and losses matter especially in college when you, when you have a job that you have to secure. Uh, but, but we didn't look at it that way. We did our, we, you know, we didn't look at the record. We didn't look at the scoreboard. Obviously at the end of games, you're going to get results, but we looked at it as a progression. We tried to come in every day and just get a little bit better. 1% better every single day. Win, loss, draw, the score ends up taking care of itself. Um, and that's something that we really believed there. So, you know, coming from a winning program, you know, I, I felt that, you know, I understood the values of um, what it takes to win, you know, the the, the camaraderie, the, the focus, um, the resiliency, those types of things, you know, but then you get to a school uh, where you're rebuilding a program from scratch, basically starting from day one, uh, you know, it, it takes time, it takes time and it takes a process of and a willingness from the players and the staff to commit to a certain identity and a certain style of basketball. Uh, so, that, you know, that was something that we focused on every day more so than just the wins and losses and, and you know, what the scoreboard said. And, you know, to be able to be with a program, uh, with a head coach from day one and see how a culture is instilled and see how a uh, an identity is established. Like those things were, were really, really rewarding to me. And to do it with a guy like Coach Graves and that staff where their selflessness and their willingness to teach and help you grow individually as well. Like those things are things that I'll never be able to uh, replace, you know, and those are things that even going back to my first year in Greensboro last year, I still take little tidbits of what coach Graves would say in coaches meetings or what the assistants would talk about in practice and all of those moments and all those seasons and opportunities win, loss or draw, you know, have helped build who I am as a coach and kind of what I believe and what my philosophies are as well. Nice. You know, after you finished your uh, graduate assistant program, you were promoted to the director of basketball operations at South Alabama. 
was it a foregone conclusion that you were going to stay around or had you flirted with other ideas? I know everything I've heard about coach Graves, you know, he's an amazing coach. So I'm sure that it was tough whether or not to, you know, leave somebody who you're comfortable working with and a really good head coach um, or kind of branch your network out. Yeah. You know, that was something that um, it's funny because, you know, thinking back on it, I never really looked for other opportunities, you know, and, and whether that's good or not, you know, that's up to be decided, but I'm a very, very big believer to this day. I tell people this all the time that, uh, the moment you start looking for your next opportunity when you're in a current opportunity is the moment you quit doing your job at the highest level. So uh, honestly, I never was looking, you know, if the season came to an end and they told me there wasn't a position for me, you know, I probably would have been behind the eight ball a little bit, but that was okay with me because I was loyal to the people that I cared about and coach Graves and that's and his staff at that point were the, were the, was the staff in the, in the school uh, that I was loyal to. So, you know, I never really started reaching out to other people. I never really started having conversations with anybody else. I was just both feet in fully 100% committed to coach Graves, the staff and the university and doing everything I could in my role each and every day to help them and help the players there get better. Uh, and obviously the the opportunity presented itself uh, to move up to the director of basketball operations role uh, and take that next step. Uh, finally start making a little bit of money because uh, as a grad assistant, you definitely don't make very much. So uh, that was exciting as well. But to be able to stay on a staff, which was that awesome and and with a with people that I believed, you know, wholeheartedly and it was it was an awesome time. And again, to be able to continue to grow with them was was fantastic. I'm with you on that, coach. 2015, 2016, you guys won a first round Sunbelt tournament game. You guys went consecutive years winning a conference tournament game. Talk about how big that was for the program, for the culture, and how that helped with recruiting. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps with recruiting. Uh, but I think the biggest part is continuing just to see the processes that you're making every day and the growth that you're making, not just as an individual team in an individual season, but as a, you know, as a program as a whole. You know, where we came from in year one, um, the types of players we had, uh, and continuing to grow and believe in them, uh, develop those guys as well, you know, and then to allow them to see the success of winning a tournament game was extremely important to us. Uh, not as much as from a coaching standpoint, uh, but more so from, you know, a, a player standpoint, wanting, wanting our players to feel the success that we felt they deserved because of the commitment that they gave to us and the buy-in that they had. So, um, you know, again, to win tournament games like that, it, it's the ultimate feeling you know, to be in the conference tournament, the idea of March Madness being right around the corner, you know, those types of things were really, really cool. And to, and to take a step uh, towards all of that was, was a very rewarding experience as a whole. After the 2016-17 season, what made you decide to try the, the pro ranks and had you looked at staying in college or kind of what, what was your connection and you're in there? Yeah. So when I got to the University of South Alabama and I and I got promoted, I was, again, two feet in on the idea of being in college, um, coaching college kids, because ultimately I want to I want to make an impact in, in individuals lives. Right. Help them grow as people just as much as I do basketball players. So that was kind of always the priority for me and always will be. And it still is to this day. Um, but, you know, I was able to get an opportunity uh, from a really, really close friend of mine and, and still a close mentor. Uh, Ronald Norred, who's currently an assistant with the Pacers. Uh, Ron and I were friends dating all the way back to college. When I was playing at Wabash, he was playing at Butler. So him and I became good friends uh, because of all the time I spent on Butler's campus during the summer. You know, I would play open gym with them at night. I would work out with them sometimes. You know, so him and I developed a really, really strong relationship and a strong friendship. And, you know, when I moved to South Alabama, um, you know, he had taken a couple of professional NBA opportunities, you know, with the Celtics and then ended up being with the Brooklyn Nets and the Long Island Nets. Um, and, you know, him and I just kind of stayed in touch and every, every now and then we'd talk about it. And I'd be like, man, like, I think it would be kind of cool to, to go the professional rank. You know, you, you see all this stuff, you know, some of my close friends in the business had started making that jump as well. Um, and we're, we're talking highly about the opportunities and, and just the pure basketball and the, and, coaching at that level so it intrigued me 
Um, I just never really knew if or when it would happen. And one day he called me out of the blue in July and said, uh, hey, do you have your resume ready? Would you like to work in the NBA or the G League? And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, send me your resume. Would you be interested in this position? I said, yes, of course. Um, so send him all this stuff. Um, and he called me back and he's like, yeah, you know, our, you know, the Long Island Nets organization is interested in hiring you. Uh, can you make your way to Las Vegas for summer league uh, and interview out here for the position? I was like, absolutely. So kind of packed my bags um, in a pretty short notice, flew out to Vegas. That was kind of my first summer league experience being there. Stayed there for a couple of days, uh, interviewed with, with um, some of the executives with Brooklyn uh, and Long Island at the time uh, for what was the head video coordinator position. Uh, I would be working directly with Ron as Ron was the head coach. He was going into his second year being a head coach uh, in Long Island. So the idea of working alongside of him, who's you know been a close friend of mine for years, was really, really exciting. Um, and it was kind of that next step, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, wanting to get back on the floor and, and really coach basketball. You know, uh, obviously grateful for my opportunity as a director of operations, but you learn very quickly in that role how much you miss being on the court because of NCAA violations and stuff like that. You're not allowed to be. So it was really, it was, it was a tough time, you know, worrying about the budget and the travel versus being able to help on practice drills or rebound for guys or do stuff like that was um, a real testament to my patience. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this, this opportunity being the head video coordinator uh, with a G league team, obviously coaching at a high level like that, but then also, um, the ability to get back on the floor and get in the mix and do things like that really, really excited me. And uh, the interviews went well. Uh, the opportunity then presented itself to me and I just couldn't say no. And that's kind of when I took that next step um, and, and moved into professional basketball and have kind of been here since. But again, I I probably wear out this saying, but I, I can't be thankful enough for the people that have helped me get there. And, you know, Ron on top of Coach Graves and everybody else, again, another Butler connection uh, for me. Um, you know, all of these things tying together, it really has made me who I am today. And if it wasn't for Ron believing in me um, and giving me that opportunity, then, you know, I still wouldn't know where I would be to this point. That's awesome. Talk about, you know, you guys narrowly missed the playoffs. You guys finished above 500. Um, talk about the adjustment to the pro ranks and uh, just overall your feelings on that first season? Yeah, it was a, it was a whirlwind experience because um, when I was a grad assistant, I thought I knew how to use sports code. Uh, it's a whole different world in the professional ranks. So uh, it was a very big trial by fire, um, you know, transition for me, especially very early on. But again, the support that I got from the Brooklyn Nets organization, the video coordinators there, uh, and then the staff as a whole in Long Island made it really easy uh, but again, Ron, Ron was a fantastic mentor and still is and someone that was super easy to learn from and, and to grow with, you know, he's very inclusive, very encompassing, um, wanted to help. Uh, and, you know, that's what makes him such a fantastic coach to this day. And he's going to be a fantastic head coach uh, in the NBA one day. Um, but it's, you know, his willingness to, to, you know, include me in, in development meetings and the coaches meetings, all of that stuff was awesome. Uh, so, you know, I think the biggest transition for me besides like my current, my actual role was just how different the the professional game is from a spacing standpoint to the way it's played, the rules. I mean, all of that stuff is completely different. And um, the way you have to play the game, the pace, and then how you manage and, and communicate and talk with players is also another big piece that, you know, is different uh, um, in a lot of facets from the college ranks. So, uh, again, it was a very eye-opening and whirlwind experience, and I was kind of thrown right into it. And I think that's the best way you can learn anything is just to be thrown into the moment and have to learn. Uh, so it was it was an awesome experience, you know, being that close to the playoffs, feeling the pressure of each game down the stretch. Um, but then, you know, the calmness that Ron, you know, exuded to the players during that whole process and the focus on, you know, what the big picture was, which was development. You know, that's a huge piece to what the G League is and the reason that it is what it is. Uh, so, you know, Ron had a very clear vision of what that looked like for us. Uh, and it wasn't just Ron. You know, it was Ryan Forehand Kelly. It was Damian Cotter. It was Josh Oppenheimer. It was everybody else on that staff as well um, that, again, took me under their wings and, and taught me a lot. And I just did my best to be a sponge 
um, and do my role and do my job and be the best at it that I could uh, and just write everything down, absorb as much as I could um, and just kind of learn what it means to coach basketball at the professional level. And again, that is a huge reason for the things that I do today and, and the reason I do things today as a coach. And again, it's, it's all thanks to them. And those are all individuals that are still coaching in the NBA, you know, currently. So I, I stay in contact with them as well. And it, it's just cool. It's cool to see the people that you work with continue to grow and develop themselves just as much as you did. And uh, yeah, those are very, very rewarding and successful first year and all that. James Borrego hires you to his coaching staff with the Hornets. How did you get involved with that one? And, and I have to ask, what was it like meeting Michael Jordan for the first time and how tough was it not to ask for a picture or an autograph from the GOAT? <laughs> uh, so uh, ironically enough, just continuing the trend of you know relationships in this business, uh, after that first year for me in Long Island, uh, it was Ron's second year as a head coach, uh, and he took a job with the Hornets as an assistant coach. So Ron had uh, moved on to Charlotte, and at that point, I was actually still in the process at that point of um, returning to Long Island for a second year as head video coordinator. Uh, and, and Ron gave me a call one day, said, hey, we have a we have a video coordinating position open. Would you be interested? You know, I sent him my resume and stuff, and then very similar to the Long Island situation, you know, was in Vegas for summer league, uh, had the opportunity to meet with coach Borrego, uh, Mitch Kudchek at the time, um, and just kind of introduce myself, have my interview process with them, uh, with Dutch Gately, who was another assistant here, uh, Quentin Crawford, who was the head video coordinator at that point, um, had interviews and, and meetings with all of them. And, uh, it, and what seemed like it took forever, uh, ended up getting the the job offer. You know, I was, I was anxious. I was excited. It was, you know, the opportunity for me to put my foot into an NBA video room, uh, which was kind of what my next step I envisioned it being. So, you know, this was something that I really, really, really wanted. And, um, you know, just had to be patient as they did their due diligence and their interviews and stuff and um, ended up getting offered the opportunity to, to join Coach Borrego um, here in Charlotte uh, with the Hornets and, and obviously have been here ever since. But, you know, talking to Coach Borrego, um, very early on, you could just tell we were very like-minded individuals. You know, he came from the video, uh, video room as well with coach pop in San Antonio. So his expectation, uh, of what the video coordinating role looks like, um, with his, uh, you know, purpose behind it and all that stuff. It was, it was super exciting and, and super rewarding. And I was super excited to get to Charlotte and get to working and, um, obviously still with the organization now and going into year five with them as a whole. And then, couldn't be more grateful uh, to be here and to work alongside all the individuals that I do. You remember that first meeting with MJ though? The meeting with MJ. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, you know, he had come to a shoot around one day for, for one of our games early in the year. And I just remember seeing him for the first time and, and just being there. And uh, you know, obviously you have to do your job and you're focused on your responsibilities. So you had to stay focused, but you know, there's just an, there's an energy, you know, when he's in the building, when he's around, there's just a different vibe, a different energy. Um, and shaking his hand for the first time was, was really, really cool coming full circle just because you grow up with posters of him on the wall and stuff like that. But again, at the same time, you're, you're here for a reason. You have a job to do. And while it is cool to be around him and for him to, you know, own the organization and to, and to be around, you know, you're, you're there for a reason and that's to do your job at a high level. So my focus was, was obviously there alongside of, um, you know, the the feelings of just kind of being near him and around him and stuff like that. That's awesome. How tough is it to coach guys who are at different stages of their careers and lives? You know, is there much emphasis on team building or do guys kind of show up to games and practices and kind of do their own thing? I know some guys might have family, some guys are just out of college or whatnot. Yeah, that, no, that's actually, a, that's a really good question. Uh, there's, there's definitely a team building aspect to it. Now it's not as excessive as what you get on the day-to-day -day kind of with the college side of things. Uh, but there has to be, there has to be chemistry. There has to be camaraderie. There has to be, you know, a general likeness of everybody that you're with. Um, you know, so that's a big, there, there is a piece to that. You know, we did dinners as, you know, on the road, you know, the dinner thing was kind of the big piece to it. Uh, but yeah, there's, the, you're definitely dealing with different people in different parts of their lives. And, you know, it is a business, 
you know, NBA is a job, it's a business. So, you know, each guy has their routine. They like to go at certain times. They like their pregame routines a certain way. You know, all of those things are extremely important at this level. Um, so you have the veteran guys who have been established and kind of know what that is. And then you have the younger guys, the rookies who are trying to figure that out for themselves and figure out what it is. So, um, you know, those are things that, you know, good veteran leadership in your locker room from a player standpoint kind of takes care of itself. Um, you know, vets will do dinners where they invite rookies and, you know, different things like that. That's away from the coaching staff as a whole. And then obviously we as an organization will do dinners and stuff like that on the road, as I mentioned, but, you know, it's really on them to kind of, get into their own rhythms and their own routines and what they feel comfortable with. Um, and it's really cool to see, uh, you know, the veteran guys in the locker room take the younger guys under their wings and, and kind of show them those ropes and show them the way. And uh, yeah, it's, it, there's definitely some give and take to both of it because there's other, you know, there's also the point where these guys are professional athletes um, and they just kind of want to be left alone to do their own thing. Uh, day in and day out, they have families and, and they're, they're people. They have their own responsibilities and things they have to do outside of work as well. So um, there is definitely some give and take to that. But, you know, most organizations, you know, work to find a way to build chemistry through, you know, different types of team building things or opportunities like that. Um, and then on the other side of it, it's it's giving guys their space and letting them kind of go through their processes that they feel they need to to get ready for games or practices and such. You're hired as the head coach of the Swarm. You're the first internal hire uh, as far as being a head coach of a G League franchise. How excited were you to become a head coach after all these years of grinding away? It was it was an unbelievable uh, moment. I'll still, I still remember it to this day of walking into Coach Borrego's office. and uh, Him and I spent a lot of time together in his office anyway, so I just thought it was another day. Um, and I sat down and I thought we were going to watch some film or do something. And he's like, Hey, I would, how would you like to be the head coach of the G league team? And if my jaw didn't drop, then I don't, I don't know. It was a, um, an out of body experience there for me for a moment. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting it at that moment. Um, but it was something that, you know, I don't think I could have said fast or yes, fast enough. Uh, you know, and, uh, obviously an unreal unreal feeling in that moment and then as you get into like the the processes of it and the and you're starting your first training camp and you're doing your first media interview and all these like firsts that you've never had to deal with as a video coordinator was um really cool it was really cool and something that um, i'll always remember and always cherish and um you just never um know if you'll ever get to the opportunity to be a head coach again in any capacity so i just knew that i was going to have to step back and enjoy the moment um, and enjoy the experiences that I was getting very early on. Uh, but then also knew that I had a job to do. And there was a group of men in the locker room in Greensboro that were going to rely on me for their growth and their development. Uh, there was an organization that was going to rely on me for the growth and development of um, certain players that they were bringing into the program or assigning to us. Um, and I knew I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. And that's something that um, very similar to my first year in Long Island. It was a it was a moment of being thrown into the fire and learning by experience. Uh, and it was something that I just really embraced and was something that was um, super, super rewarding in year one. Uh, you know, they always say the cliche saying that you you don't know what goes into being a head coach until you're actually a head coach for the first time. Uh, and I never felt that more than than last year. I thought um uh, you know, I had a good playbook in mind. I thought about all these different things I wanted to do. And then you get into the moment and you realize how hard it really is to be a head coach. Uh, and all of the different hats you have to wear um, and the relationships you have to build and sustain and uh, just the different things you have to navigate, especially at the G League level where, you know, one night you're playing with one roster and then a couple guys get assigned or a two-way gets called up or guys are getting 10 days. And there's just so much transition and movement um, that you, that you really have to be able to coach on the fly, um, and be very grounded in who you are philosophically as a coach, um, and who you want to be and kind of what you want your team to embrace. Um, so I learned all of that very early on in year one and, you know, going into year two now, uh, I'm just a totally different person. I've tell people all the time, uh, and obviously doing summer league this past year as well helped with that, but. I just feel like I'm a totally different coach now. You know, year one was a very big trial by fire thing for me. Um, and felt like we were successful in a lot of the goals that we wanted to reach as a team. 
uh, from a development standpoint. And now I'm excited to go back for year two and, and build on those and, and become an even better coach for the guys in that locker room and help them achieve their goals. That's awesome to hear. Curious, are you interacting with agents much as far as like player wow. agents or is that all kind of front office type stuff and you're just getting to coach guys? Yeah, I'm just coaching the guys. You know, that's something, you know, here in Charlotte that we leave to the front office um, and the powers that be upstairs um, in our front office. So obviously we, uh, I have the utmost trust in them in terms of building a roster and putting guys in certain positions. Uh, so I leave that all to them. Uh, and I just focus on the X's and O's and building relationships with the players and doing anything I can to help them uh, achieve their vision of what they have with themselves and their career and where they want to get. So that's, it's, it's awesome. You know, just being able to focus on basketball and leaving all that to, to the people in uh, the front office. Uh, definitely helps. We talked about kind of how typically head coaches are judged by wins and losses, but in kind of the, the G league and minor leagues for baseball, it's about developing young talent. How tough is it to balance trying to win games while also getting individual players ready to go play for the Hornets? Yeah, this is a question that, that comes up a lot, especially with G league coaches. Right. Uh, and I always say, I think they coincide with one, one another, you know, obviously very early on in the year, you're going to have your growing pains with young guys. I believe last year, 11 of the 13 guys we had on our roster were rookies. So we had a, a very, very young um, team that had never experienced professional basketball before. So there's a lot to learn, you know, how to read coverages, how to decision make in certain situations, uh, the level of play and tenacity and, and physicality that goes into the game night in and night out, the amount of games you play, all of that stuff is, is really important. So uh, you've definitely got to focus on teaching very early on. Um, and that's something that, yeah, wins and losses at times, especially early on are, are growing pains because um, guys are having to learn on the fly, you know, but uh, you know, ultimately I think if I'm doing my job as a coach uh, and our staff is doing our job that, that you focus on the growth and development of your players. Um, but winning is a skill as well, finding ways to win, finding ways to execute down the stretch in a close game, finding ways to get a stop in the last couple of possessions of a game. Those are things as well that are just as important in guys' development as, as fixing their jump shot or teaching them how to handle and pick and rolls, you know. So um, we go into it as a staff and an organization with that in mind that, um, you know, development is the priority. Helping guys get better, um, helping guys reach their full potential is absolutely the priority. Uh, but with that should come the ability to win basketball games. So, you know, we go into each day of practice. We go into each game uh, in the offseason when we're building the roster. We're doing things uh, to coincide with both. You know, we're looking for individuals that fit the organization's values, that fit uh, our style of play, and that fit kind of what we look for um, in certain positions roster-wise. But we're also looking for competitors. We're looking for high-character people. We're looking for um, individuals that want to be uncomfortable and grow and learn. And ultimately, we go into each and every day with a focus of, of winning games. Um, and that's something that, again, I think coincides directly with development and the growth of players. I like that answer. You guys have Angelo Ball on the roster. Obviously, younger brother of the face of the Hornets franchise, one of the faces. How tough is it for him? And what type of relationship do you have with him and the rest of the Ball family? Yeah, I mean, being around Jello and Lamelo every day. Um, obviously, you know, Jello is in camp with us right now here in Charlotte as well. Uh, they're awesome. They're they're incredible people, um, and they're and they're fun to be around. You know, Lamelo is a, a little ball of lightning that's always running around. Um, you know, he's just he. You can just see the joy, like the genuine joy and passion they have for playing the game of basketball, and that's always exciting. Um, and it reflects in their day to day. You know, they work extremely hard. They're incredibly coachable. Uh, and they're fun to be around. So, you know, having those relationships with those guys and being in the gym with them every day is refreshing as a coach because you want to coach people that have that much drive and that much passion and that much excitement for the game. Uh, Cause it takes me back to when I was their age, which seems like years ago. Right. But, uh, and, and it was years ago. I'm just trying to pretend like I'm younger than I am, but uh, no, it's just, it's, it's cool to uh, it's, it's refreshing because I remember, 
going through high school and going through college. And obviously I never played at this level. So it's a little bit different, but you know, I see myself from the passion and the drive and the excitement that they have every day of just playing basketball. Like I felt that growing up too. So, you know, there's a lot of relatable facets on that standpoint. Obviously they're way better at it than I'll ever be or ever was, but um, the relationships with them are great. You know, um, like I said, they're coachable, they're fun to be around and they're great kids. You know, um, I've, I've never met, you know, Lonzo or any of those other guys. Um, but, you know, they're, again, they're great kids. They're coachable. They're super respectful. Um, so, you know, they were raised the right way and, and it shows in, in how they act on a day-to-day basis. It's awesome to hear. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, but you were able to be the head coach of the Hornets NBA summer league team in Vegas. Talk about that experience. And, uh, had you had an opportunity to meet with coach Clifford beforehand, or was that kind of before the coaching search was completed? So when uh, when Coach Clifford was hired officially, I was actually in Toronto working with uh, the U23 Canadian national team. So I had taken a trip to Toronto for a couple of weeks to work with their training camp as they were getting ready for their global games in Toronto. Uh, so actually, when Coach Clifford got the job opportunity uh, offered to him, I wasn't even in the country. So, um, you know, I had returned to Charlotte um, after the training camp and stuff like that in Toronto. And my first day back in the office uh, here in Charlotte was his first day in the office as well. So uh, he had a million things going on. Uh, he was he was running around. He had his media availability that day. He was meeting everybody in the organization. Um, and how he keeps people's names straight that quickly was really, really impressive to me um, and very genuine, which was something that I caught on from him very early on. Uh, but we had an opportunity to to have a small conversation in the hallway just in passing as he was going to his media stuff. Um, and he just had mentioned, hey, let's you and I get together um, here in a couple of days. You're going to coach summer league. And then, uh, you know, walked away to continue on with the rest of his day. And I was just kind of stuck there like, wow, like this is fantastic. You know, I didn't know what direction they were going to go in with that. Um, I had done the pre-draft stuff for the Hornets all summer, um, working with, you know, all of our prospective you know draft picks and stuff as they came in each day um, and did the workouts with the organization so I was around all summer I was working with our young guys all summer as well as they were here Um, so you know I I wanted to do the summer league thing I was super excited about the opportunity but I didn't know which direction you know coach Clifford was going to going to go in so uh, when he finally told me that they had chosen me to do it I was humbled uh, super excited incredibly grateful um, and was just really excited again to take the things that I learned in year one in Greensboro and implement them in a minor way um, to the summer league team. You know, we don't get as much time and um, it's a very quick practice camp, training camp, and then you're in Vegas playing games right away. So um, it did allow me to take some of the things I learned in Greensboro and some of the things that I, I wanted to tweak or adjust as a head coach and put those into play a little bit uh, with the summer league team and kind of you know, see the growth and development that I was able to make just from year one in Greensboro to even being in summer league. So um, on top of, you know, doing what coach Clifford would like, you know, wanted us to do offensively and defensively and stuff like that. So incredible opportunity, really, really fun experience and, and glad I had the opportunity. And again, thankful to the organization for, for believing in me and entrusting me to, to do that. Sure. So who's on your coaching staff and in general, not necessarily just with Charlotte, and Greensboro, how much control do you have on who's on your coaching staff? Yeah. So uh, my three assistant coaches are Danielle Marshall, uh, who played in the NBA for, for years. Uh, Colin Terry, uh, who had done some uh, individual skill development stuff um, as well as worked with the main red claws uh, in the G league. And then Ben Resner, who uh, has been a, a longtime assistant, in the G league and someone that I've known for a really long time and really trust. So uh, those three were, were my hires uh, year one. Uh, they'll all be back with me again this year, which I'm super excited about. I think that the continuity of, of year one to year two from the coaching staff standpoint is, is really beneficial in the G league and really helps from the development standpoint. Uh, and, you know, in terms of the decisions I was able to make uh, for the coaching staff, you know, obviously had conversations with the front office, Uh, But they were very trusting in me um, in terms of allowing me to hire people that I felt, um, you know, could help 
uh, our organization and help the swarm. You know, that was the most important thing. Uh, I'll be the first person to tell you that um, I'm always looking to hire people that are smarter than me. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that know way more about the game of basketball than I do. So I want to surround myself with, with good, high-character people who are loyal um, and were committed to uh, the growth and development of our organization and of our players, uh, as well as, uh, you know, experienced in, in different things that I felt that, you know, I needed on my staff. And all three of these guys checked the box and uh, couldn't be happier to have them and super excited to be with them again this year. But yeah, it's, it was an incredible year one. We have a great camaraderie as a staff. And uh, I love going to work every day because of uh, the opportunity to work alongside those guys and help serve them and, uh, you know, do whatever I can to help them grow and develop in their own uh, professional careers just as much as we're helping the players as well. I know you had mentioned, you know, like myself, you're all two feet in, you're, you're completely focused on the task at hand. Do you have ultimate aspirations as far as being an NBA head coach one day or maybe moving to the front office or, are you just focused on where you're at right now and not even worrying about the future? Yeah. You know, I think, I think uh, there's a difference between, you know, worrying and having a plan. And uh, you know, I definitely have aspirations of kind of what my next steps are going to be. I definitely want to stay on the coaching side. Uh, you know, I try to build out three year, five year plans um, that I feel are, are obtainable to me. Uh, given the experiences that I have and the direction I see myself going in. Um, but ultimately, uh, I am focused on this season. I'm focused on helping this organization any way I can. Uh, but, you know, it, it is um, a very real thing to have goals and want to obtain them as well. So uh, main, making sure to maintain that balance is extremely important. But again, you know, you can put yourself in positions to be successful and to uh, take the steps necessary to get to the places you want to be. Uh, but then once you know, you get to that point. And again, once I figured out I was going to be back for a second season in Greensboro, my, my entire focus uh, and energy has shifted to, again, what can I do every day to help the organization in Charlotte? What can I do to help the organization in Greensboro? What value can I bring to help our players and help Coach Clifford and his coaching staff here? And then ultimately, what can I do every day to serve my assistants and the players that are going to be with me in Greensboro? So uh, while, yes, I do, I would love to be an NBA head coach one day um, or a front of the bench assistant or director of player development, you know, whatever steps are next for me. Um, I just trust that, you know, those opportunities will present themselves if it's meant to be. Uh, and I'm just focused on what I can do each and every day to help this organization right now. And that's the priority. I love that answer, Coach. Coach, we've come to the segment I call Start Bench Cut. I give you three things. Start one, bench one, and cut one. Let's hear it. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Mm. Uh, I'm starting Nike uh, just because I've always been a Nike guy, and I feel like I'm obligated to say that. Uh, I am I am benching Adidas because I am a soccer fan, and a lot of soccer clubs are uh, Adidas-sponsored, uh, even though I do not wear Adidas, uh, and I am – cutting Under Armour for no other reason than the fact that I like Nike and Adidas better. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, cookout, Bojangles, Chick-fil-A. Mm, Chick-fil-A every day, starting it. They are starting and playing 48 minutes a night for me. Uh, I am benching cookout because their chicken quesadillas are great. And after games in Greensboro, that's usually my go-to, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, and I'm cutting Bojangles just because I'm such a loyalist to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> okay, I think I know this the answer to this one, but Hoosiers, Space Jam, Hustle. Mm. Uh, it's got to be Hoosiers. If I don't say Hoosiers as my starter, I will not be allowed back in my home state. So Hoosiers it is. Uh, I can recite the movie forwards and backwards and in like four different languages. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> I, am I am benching Space Jam. Uh, but do like them on the roster just because as a kid, that was one of my favorite movies. Uh, and Hustle is just, I don't think I've ever seen it, to be honest with you. So maybe that's not good. <laughs> I'm not a big movie person, but I have seen the first two. Uh, Hustle is great, but great answer. Cities you lived in, Indianapolis, Brooklyn, Greensboro. Whoa. Uh, 
this is tough. This is tough because I'm getting ready to go back to Greensboro. We have a preseason game there on Friday. So uh, I am going to start Greensboro because I am a loyal guy and I am very thankful for the support uh, that the community there has given me over the last two years. I'm excited to be back there again this year. So I am starting Greensboro. Oh, I am going to bench Indiana because my family is there and I can't turn down family. Family is everything to me. So um, I will say Indiana is still on the roster uh, and I am unfortunately cutting Brooklyn because living in Brooklyn was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. And I am a big city guy. So uh, that was, that was a very good question and I feel guilty for my answer, but I'm sticking with it. Last one coach Twitter follows Shams. Woj, Brian Winhorst. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh Woj as my starter because he's been doing it longer. I feel like uh Shams is going to be my bench, and I'm gonna cut Brian. I like it. I like it. Coach, who are three guests I should have on the podcast? Oh, great question. Uh. I'm going to go with the people that I know. Uh, and, and I, and I think they're fantastic. I think Ron Norad would be one of them. Uh, you know, he's the assistant with the Pacers now and uh, his perspective on the game and, and in life in general is, is something that I um, aspire to grow to have. Um, so uh, he would be one, uh, you know, an assistant that I worked with here in Charlotte, Nate Mitchell, uh, who's with the Raptors. Now he was the head coach of the U 23 uh, national team in Canada this past summer um, and works with their national team, work with the Raptors. Uh, I think his ideas of, you know, the progressive ideas he has of, you know, where the game is going and the different things you can do on the floor. Uh, super, super exciting. Uh, and then I'm going to say uh, Matthew Graves. You know, I think Matthew Graves just from his experiences in college uh, and, you know, just from the type of person he is and, and the type of head coach he was and the opportunity he gave me to get this whole thing started. You know, those would be the three that I would recommend. And I'm, there's about 600 more people I probably could have named there as well. Uh, so I'm just choosing three off the top of my head. That's fair enough. What advice would you give somebody who wants to try to make the jump from the college ranks to the pro ranks? Uh you know, it's no, I don't think it's any different than the advice I would give anybody that's trying to be in the game of basketball and that's build valuable relationships. And I think that that's something that is where it starts. Um, you know, that's something that has benefited me in my career. Um, but you know, you've got to build the right relationships and you got to do it the right way. There's, there's far too many people nowadays that are sending text messages or writing handwritten letters just for the sake of doing it. Um, and they're missing out on the most important part of what basketball gives you, and that's friendship and relationships. So uh, I think establishing, uh, you know, relationships that are meaningful, I think is a good place to start. Uh, and then just be sure that it's what you want to do. You know, I wasn't sure it was what I wanted to do initially, uh, but once I got to Long Island, it was something that I would never turn my back on again. And I'm just really grateful to still be here and to still be doing it. So, um, you know, those are the biggest things. Stay um you know, stay consistent with the communication with the people that, that you have those relationships with. Um, and, you know, just, you know, run your own race and, and take your own path. There's no one right or wrong way of how to get to, you know, the professional level in any capacity. You know, I did the grad assistant thing and the ops thing. You know, some people go straight from playing in college to the NBA or the G League. You know, there's no right or wrong way to get there. Everybody has their own race. So, um, just doing what you feel passionate about at whatever level you feel like you can make the biggest impact on individuals' lives would be the best advice that I could give anybody. That's wonderful advice. If listeners want to get in touch with you, email, social media, what have you, what, what's kind of the best way to reach out? Yeah, I think social media for me is probably the best way to do it. Uh, I'm pretty sure my Twitter and Instagram handles are the exact same. It's at Jordan Surencamp. Uh, just my name, no spaces or anything like that. Uh, you know, any, anytime that people want to reach out that way, I always do my best to respond, um, and, and help out people. Cause I know that when I was in, you know, other situations trying to get advice or trying to meet new people, I was always super appreciative of everybody who, 
uh, gave me the time of day and was willing to talk with me and and give me advice and things like that. So I do my best to respond to everybody that I can. Um, but I do think that the, the social media direction is, is the best way to connect with me. Coach, can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.